Good afternoon, let's begin. X2M 134. Stephen and I are speaking this afternoon. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. Even because of the extraordinary character of the revelation, therefore, so that I would not become arrogant, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to trouble me, so that I would not become arrogant. I asked the Lord three times about this, that it would depart from me, but he said to me, my grace, my grace is enough for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So then I will make my boast gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may reside in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses. I'm content with insults. I'm content with troubles. I'm content with persecutions. I'm content with difficulties for the sake of the Lord. For whenever I am weak, I am strong. Psalms 134. You want to stand with me? Psalms 134, attention. Praise the Lord. All ye servants of the Lord who serve in the Lord's temple during the night, lift your hands. Lift your hands toward the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, may you, Lord, creator of heaven and earth, may the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, bless you. And may you be blessed from Zion. Amen. Start this day with a song of praise. Mm -hmm. Start this day with a song of praise. upon the throne over the earth to El Elyon and the Most High the Lord of hosts creator of heaven and earth creator of all we see creator of spiritual things Start this day with a song of praise. Lead us in ascent, lead us. 
Lead us in ascent, lead us. Oh, we surrender. Oh, we surrender now. Oh, we surrender. you come and flow out we surrender Take your hands off, take your hands off. Take your hands off, take your hands off. We surrender. Come and arrest us now. of ascent to the throne of God mm, praise the Lord oh my soul lift his name praise the Lord oh my soul lift his name His name, oh, praise the Lord, oh, my soul, lift his name. Oh. 
pouring a river like a stream flowing to the throne of Yah. Living in us now, flowing through us now. A full Christology. Either believe his word, believe the words of his mouth. Full Christology. We surrender to you and your plan and your authority. You have a resting place here. You have a resting place here. You have a resting place here. Na 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 
Who are these who defy the armies of the living God? Who are these? Who are these? Who are these who defy the armies of the living God? Who are these? Who are these? Oh, Uncharted galaxies and God who is spirit, he's alive in me. My voice is the sound of a thousand bells. Hear me, nations, hear Israel, my song. The water of the purest well Hear me heaven and fear me hell My dance carries thunder from the throne of Yah And look at me and know he is God Ooh. 
This is the sound of a thousand bells. Hear me, nations. Here is Rael. My song is the water of the purest well. Fear me, heaven. Hear me, hell, my dance carries thunder from the throne of Yah. Look at me and know he is God. Let our praises ascend, let our praises ascend, let our praises ascend. The hill of the Lord praises ascend, let our praises ascend, oh, to the throne of God. Let our praises ascend, the hill of the Lord. Let our voices rise in triumph. Oh, the victory has always been and always will be the Lord's. Let our praise rise. is the sound of a thousand bells. Hear me, nations, hear Israel. My song is the water of the purest well. Hear me, heaven, and fear me, hell. My dance carries thunder from the throne of Yah. Look at me and know he is God. Let our praises rise like a weapon in your hand. Let our praises rise, oh God. Let our praises rise like a weapon in your hand. The praises of Yahweh. Let our praises rise, let our praises rise, arrows and spears in the hands of the living God. Let our praises rise. Yeah, 
Accepted and it's pleasing to you. Oh, let our praises, let our praises, let our praises rise and rise. Let our praises, and let our praises, let our praises rise. We assemble under the banner of the Lion of Judah. We assemble under the banner of the living God. We assemble, we assemble in unity with one God, one mind, one spirit, and one voice, one voice. Principalities and powers and thrones and rulers. Mark this day, mark this day, mark this day. The day when the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Oh, the day, the day of the Lord. Holy Spirit, take control. Any issue in this room with pancreatic cancer, pancreatitis, an issue in the pancreas? Anybody have an issue with that? Uh, come forward so we can pray for you. If you even have the notion there's an issue in the pancreas, we want to pray for you. The Lord just will not back off with me about this. I'm, I want you to call for this because we. he's like, I'm not even going to move the meeting forward until you do this. So pancreas issue any any aspect of pancreas okay and maybe this is a situation then where it's unknown to us as a congregation we'll ask you if we just pray together lord we ask you right now in the name of jesus for healing for any kind of pancreatic disease or pancreatitis uh, pancreas issues in the name of the Lord, we ask you now to bring healing. you, Lord. 
Magnify your name. Magnify you in this house, Lord. Great are you, Lord. And greatly to be praised. Lift up the Lord with me. All you servants of the Lord. Magnify the Lord. I magnify you, Lord. Oh, we exalt you, Lord. Lift up the Lord. Exalt the Lord. The Most High. The King exalted. Why do the nations rebel? Why are countries devising plots that will fail? The kings of the earth form a united front. The rulers collaborate against the Lord and his anointed king. They say, let's tear off the shackles they put on us. Let's free ourselves from their robes. The one in heaven laughs in disgust. The Lord taunts them. And he angrily speaks to them and terrifies them in a rage, saying, I myself have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. The king says, I announced the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. This very day, I've become your father. Ask me. And I will give you the nations as your inheritance. I will give you the ends of the earth as your personal property. And you will break them with an iron scepter. You will smash them like a potter's jar. So now, you kings, do what is wise. You rulers of the earth, submit to correction. Serve the Lord in fear. Repent in terror. And give sincere homage. Otherwise, he will be angry. 
and you will die because of your behavior. And when his anger quickly ignites, how blessed How blessed are all those who take the shelter in the Lord. Yeah, I'm there, I'm there. 
bit of an, an explanation I need to say this publicly during the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden original sin when they broke the word of the Lord and ate from that tree of knowledge of good and evil Adam had the uh, kingship of the earth. But he broke covenant and was cast out of the garden. And as you know that story very well, and we're gonna come up on Genesis 6 and the Lord is gonna cut covenant with another man, Noah. And he's gonna flood the whole earth and kill off the inhabitants. Makes covenant with another man, his wife and their seed. And this is a complex thing, but out of that, we find the League of Nations and the many nations that are spread out all over the earth today. But later on in Genesis 11 at Babel, it'll be a spreading out of all the nations. And God will raise up another man and his wife, Abram. Genesis chapter 12 and covenant. And then out of that offspring, Isaac will come forth Jacob. And Jacob will have the 12. And that which would been imprinted on Adam's soul back at the original of creation would manifest itself out of Jacob. And out of that line would come forth another covenant a Davidic covenant through David. And as you know, it would progress into our Lord and the new covenant. A covenant of which last week we went under here in the bond of the covenant of the Lord under the shepherd's rod. Some years ago, the Lord started to reveal to me that there were in the earth 72 thrones. There were 70 in the Gentile nations, one in Israel, and one that the Father sits on right now that governs the earth. 72 major dominion sites 
And our Lord's gonna come down and set in Jerusalem on that throne. But before he comes back, the fullness of the Gentiles must come in. I remember him revealing this to me. It was in our early Saturday morning breakfast and then the enemy comes um, to our household and assaults our family, puts me and my wife out. And um, I remember like being able not to almost being able to breathe and being just like laid back on the couch and uh, Kara was in the bedroom just sort of laid out. And our, our Elizabeth, she says, they taught us to pray. And she, and she begins to pray and she says, Lord, give me a word. And the Lord tells her to go to Revelation chapter 12. And so she begins to read Revelation 12. Today is probably maybe one of epic importance in what is happening in this event. And, that, and this is why it needs an explanation. She opens up her Bible and, and she reads, then war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But the dragon was not strong enough to prevail. So there was no longer any place left in heaven for him or his angels. So that huge dragon, the ancient serpent, the one called the devil, Satan, who has deceived the whole world was thrown down to the earth and his angels along with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the ruling authority of his Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the one who accuses them day and night before our God has been thrown down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they didn't love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And while she was reading that, the attack that was on our family instantly lifted and I could like breathe again. And it says here, therefore you heavens rejoice and all who reside in them Woe to the earth and to the sea because the devil has come down to you. He's filled with terrible anger for he knows he only has a little time. And so because he knew that he was thrown down, he pursued the woman who would give birth to the man child. The next day, Sunday, we had invited in Naboth from Uganda to preach at MZ Hop, which, and I say this because we have a, the Lord said it was the Ugandan delegation because we've got Stephen, Melinda, and Gus and Kelly and Josephine in Uganda right now. And the Lord reminded me of this, of why we were sending them last week. And I'm gonna try to tie this together, but Naboth, a very wonderful, godly man. He comes into our event that we were having at the fire department there. 
And he looks right at me and he begins to prophesy and he says, David, you've been wrestling with Goliath. You took Goliath down yesterday. And I said, oh man, that's what's going on. And he got up and preached the most beautiful sermon on a day is coming when out of the earth, life would spring forth and the Lord would begin to do a new thing. And it's like all those years ago were like a prophetic experience that were leading us into today. And while the delegation is over there in Uganda now, and last week when we were in this event and Steve said to me, will you please pray over us before we leave? And the Lord said to me, there's a dominion usurper that has taken a position over there. But in the counsel of the Lord, I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Father. That the seats that Adam gave up in the breaking of his covenant, that globally, that the church is rising because you are rising in us to take back to take back the earth and that these 70 and one being in this nation and 69 more that have dominion usurpers in them will be taken and removed from their positions of influence because when the fullness of the Gentiles come in and the restoration of all things which is upon us comes our king will come back and it is the express purpose of this ministry that we get our king seated in Jerusalem. Acts 3.21, Jesus is retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. And I can't think of anything more, more important in the mind of our Father that the one who was slain and deserves the rightful rule of this entire earth would have his government put intact before he comes back and that everything would be put in order for him. And in this X2M, 134, the last psalm of ascent. That you would ascend, O Lord, to your resting place, you in the ark of your strength, and prepare. As you prepared us, Lord, you prepared a people of every nation, tribe, and language by the covenant. for the restoration of all things. And I pray now 
that won the first Adam lost. The second Adam has regained Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I magnify you, Lord. Exalt your name. Oh, I magnify you, Lord. Oh, throughout the circuit of the earth, run, run. Oh, all over the earth. Let the earth come in alignment. comes by uh, the pancreas, which Jeff heard as pancreate, pan meaning all, and then I heard that as all creation. So Colossians 1, 15 onwards, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and firstborn from among the dead, so that in all things he may have preeminence. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, that is, thrones, dominions, authorities, and so on, by making peace through the blood of his cross. So all of these things, these principalities, these thrones, are being drawn back into his dominion by, into peace with him. So I declare that, we agree with that, Lord, that your dominion is established in your thrones in the heavens, these 72 thrones, all 72. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness through Jesus Christ, who is the mediator, the one who makes peace with these thrones and sets them into peace. couldn't have known this, but X2M134 today was named by the Lord over five weeks ago, and it was called Procreator. What a perfect fitting now, Colossians 1. Epic. This is epic.
Ahab, you and Jezebel must vacate Naboth's vineyard. And the rightful inheritance that belongs to the saints of the Most High.
Isaiah 40, 21, do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you since the very beginning? Have you not understood from the time the earth's foundations were made? He is the one who sits on the earth's horizon. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers before him. He is the one who stretches out the sky like a thin curtain and spreads it out like a pitched tent. He is the one who reduces rulers to nothing. He makes the earth's leaders insignificant. Indeed, they are barely planted. Yes, they are barely sown. Yes, they barely take root in the earth. And then he blows on them, causing them to dry up. And the wind carries them away like straw. To whom can you compare me? Whom do I resemble, says the Holy One. Look up at the sky. Who created all these heavenly lights? He is the one who leads out their ranks. He calls them by his name, by name. Because of his absolute power and awesome strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, Jacob, and why do you say, Israel? The Lord is not aware of what is happening to me. My God is not concerned with my vindication. Do you not know and have you not heard? The Lord is the eternal God. He is the creator of the whole earth. He does not grow tired or weary. There is no limit to his wisdom. He gives strength to those who are tired, to the one who lacks power. He renews energy. And even when the youth gets tired and weary, and even strong men clumsily stumble, but those but those who wait for the Lord's help have renewed strength they rise up on eagles wings they grow and run without crowing weary And they walk without getting tired. God of the all the earth, who is like you, Lord? There is none like you, Lord. Oh, sovereign King, righteous one, holy Father. Holy, holy is the Lord. Holy are you, Lord. Holy, Lord.
Is right. 
reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out, reach Word says, Peace through the blood. These thrones are reconciled by the blood. Heavenly Father, we ask you to examine the timelines in the spirit and into the natural of these thrones everywhere where the image, the work, the person of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit has been distorted, misrepresented. Everywhere where there's been pride, vanity, lies, deception. We ask you to apply the blood of Jesus to these thrones to the timelines and to the thrones to cleanse them from all unrighteousness and restore these thrones back to your possession, back to the possession of the Son. We declare that as these thrones are vacated, that everything that has ever been committed by every being that has been seated upon these thrones in unrighteousness, be cleansed and removed, and these thrones be made holy, holy unto the Lord, and a perfect representation of the Son, the Father, and the work of the Holy Spirit through them. May it please the Lord himself to place those upon these thrones who have been set apart for those purposes to represent him 
in truth and righteousness. Amen. Psalms 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the sky displays his handiwork. Day after day, it's speaking out, night after night, it reveals his greatness. There's no actual speech or word, nor is his voice literally heard. 
Yet his voice echoes throughout the earth, its words carry to the distant horizon. In the sky he's pitched a tent for the sun, and like a bridegroom it emerges from his chamber, and like a strong man it enjoys running its course. It emerges from the distant horizon and goes from one end of the sky to the other, and nothing can escape its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and preserves one's life. The rules set down by the Lord are reliable and impart wisdom to the inexperienced. The Lord's precepts are fair and they make one joyful. The Lord's commands are pure. They give insight for life. The commands to fear the Lord are right and endure forever. The judgments given by the Lord are trustworthy and absolutely just. They are a greater value than gold and even a great amount of pure gold. They bring greater delight than honey, than even the sweetest honey from the honeycomb. Yes, your servant finds moral guidance there. Those who obey them receive a rich reward. Who can know all his errors? Please do not punish me for sins that I am unaware of. Moreover, keep me from committing flagrant sins. Do not let such sins control me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of blatant rebellion. May my words and my thoughts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my sheltering rock and my redeemer, amen. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 11 through 14. Next, I asked the messenger, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the menorah? Before he could reply, I asked again, what are these two extensions of the olive trees? which are emptying out the golden oil through the golden pipes. He replied, don't you know what these are? And I said, no, sir. I guess they said, no, sir, in Zechariah, like we said in the South. <laughs> No, sir, he said. He said, so he said. These are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Zechariah 4, 11 through 14. And today we will close out vision number five, anointed of God's spirit. Let's pray. Pretty amazed this morning. We're up, I think all of us are a little bit awestruck. that you convene into time and space even now, even within this moment. As you've built us through this, a, like a chronos time, but you've brought us into a kairos, just intervening into our midst in such um, a profound way.
And I think, Lord, we have a lot of questions, probably like Zachariah had. What are you doing? What is this about? Maybe, who are you? Do we even know you? Like you're convening something, Lord, that's been in your mind and in your heart way before this moment even intersected in our space-time right now, that you've thought all this out, like it's been in your mind the whole time, that you've had us, the ones that are here present, the ones who are not in this room but are your people all over the earth, that you're thinning out the space-time barrier, that you're convening heaven on earth, you're the one who began this. You're the one who started with us. You're the sovereign maker. You're the one. We realize it's not even because we desired you. You chose us. We didn't even wheel ourselves into this. It was by your own sovereign election, your own predilection, your own predestination that you decided. And we merely can receive we merely can, in humility, acknowledge that we, without you, we are nothing. That we know nothing. And we do, we acknowledge you. You're El El Yon. You're Yahweh. You're, you're, the, you're the Elohim. You're the Father. You've been so intimate with us too, Lord. I don't understand. I, I don't understand why you would... I don't understand why you pick us because you're so magnificent. I don't understand. Why are you even mindful of us, Lord? I don't get it why you even like us, why you rejoice over us, why in our weakness you've loved us, even while we were like against you, when we were hostile to you. I don't get it. I don't get it. You're too, you're too loving. You've been too good. We don't deserve the likes of you. Thank you for forgiving us. You've done so much more, so much that it's so unrecognizable we haven't really even noticed. And I do pray that you would open our eyes, illuminate our understanding, make us even more like in this moment that we would deeper, more profoundly know you as you have made yourself known to us. And thank you, Father, for sending your Son. And thank you for the blood. Thank you for washing our filthiness, cleansing us, purifying us, making us holy. 
make us even more chaste. Give us greater modesty. Give us greater dependency. We need the great. We need your grace, Lord. We need grace upon grace upon grace. Grace for our thoughts, Lord. Grace for our actions. Cleanse us all with hyssop. Purify all our motivations. Help every motive that we have, Lord. May it be pleasing in your sight. Amen. We've been transferred out of darkness into light. Oh. The scope of the vision that we've been in, an anointer of God's temple, is, is a, uh, has a, a broad-based perspective. And I, and I think this perspective is really important that we really partake of this today and understand that this is not just the prelude to judgment that God is bringing here on the earth uh, to deal with, to deal with the reversal or the divine reversal that's upon us, that he is in the business of taking that mountain that Zerubbabel is going to shout out with shouts of grace, grace, and leveling it, that God is in the business of this. As we're hearing today that he's bringing down every lofty mountain and everything that's been exalted against him and, um, and that he, in a large way, and in, in, in many of our hearts has been working this out inside of us. So everything that's been exalted itself against the name of the Lord Jesus has been, uh, many of you and many of us in the church in this hour have been having the Lord deal with us long protracted seasons, maybe even wilderness wandering. Some of us even being prepared preparatorily, long processes, even some of you even before your salvation feeling vacated, vacant, trying to find what would bring lasting fulfillment. And many of us have been, uh, all of us I think here possibly, have been um, you know, converted by him, justified freely by him, going on our path of sanctification, God dealing with the human heart, what to bring down the loftiness inside the human heart and bring us flatlining by, by grace, the grace that gives you the faith to even believe him and the grace that empowers you to walk in uh, the life uh, that he has placed inside of you that we, and let me declare that we are incapable of serving God apart from God serving himself through you. I mean, I highlight that to the max extent possible that there is nothing, nothing, nothing that you and I can do apart from the Lord. I mean, Jesus said it, he said I do nothing except what I see my father doing. I can do nothing. If the Lord himself, Philippians 2, had placed his own divine nature on hold and all his proclivity and all of his uh, one-upsmanship that he had on anybody and all of us, if he set it aside and he would say, like we would, you know, we would need to say, 
I do nothing without you. I have nothing without you. The breath that's in me is because of you. And this deep, deep, and I've, I believe it's the Lord's work in us that he would bring us to utter realization of this message I speak today. And so there would be no way in any, any way that we could boast before the presence of the Lord. Because, you know, no flesh is going to glory in the presence of God. And, and so in this great divine reversal, the reversal of this pattern reversal that is upon us and is in this anointer of God's temple that, that heads, being cast, uh, heads being cast down, but also heads being lifted up. The lofty uh, world mountain's fate now has been flattened into a plane. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And a victorious announcement now that the capstone is being put in place. The capstone, the completion of God's house of glory and Satan and his work that he has been working out in the hearts of men trying to draw off the loyalty of of God's people and uh, people in general is losing his position. And that's a large part of what is happening today. Like literally, and I think possibly, and I'm sure that you will probably discuss this maybe around your dinner table or this evening, I hope you do, the importance of what is happening in this event today. That our, our arch enemy, the arch nemesis, is losing his position in the second heavens because a people are, are rising who have the fullness of what God intended installed into their very being. Uh, you, the ecclesia, the saints of the most high. And so the saints can, like we did today, praise God as the one who lifts up uh, the head horn. And like in 1 Samuel 2, 1, my horn is exalted in the Lord. Psalms chapter three, verse three, you are the lifter of my what? Amen. Psalms 92, 10, you, O Lord, have lifted up my horn like that of a unicorn. God is praised now as the one who has exalted the horn of, of his Messiah and the Lord will give strength to his king and he will lift up the horn of his anointed. The full pattern of the great reversal, the striking down of heads in his wrath against the nations is the precursor of the lifting up of his own head in glory. Bring up uh, Psalms 110, 5 through 7. And you can see this uh, in the text yourself. And so um, in, in right before this in Psalms 110, 4, it says, and you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, this gets and harkens what Pete Lineker is bringing out this morning. It's spoke of in Ephesians by Paul. He would take down the uh, middle wall partition and pronounce uh, peace uh, between uh, these two factions that have been inside of the human soul, the uh, male aspect and female aspect, the king and the priest, and that he would bring in this union between us and pronounce peace. To, and and uh, in Psalms 110.4, you see this peace has been brought uh, in, in this order, Melchizedek, Melech being king, Zadok, uh, righteousness. 
He's pronouncing this 110.4 leads into what I'm getting at today that I believe Zechariah is getting into also in Zechariah chapter 4. O sovereign Lord at your right hand, strike down kings in the day he unleashes his anger. Six, he executes judgments against the nations and fills the valleys with corpses. A lot of people like Jesus as a uh, carpenter from Nazareth. I remember the Lord said to me years ago, he said, a lot of people receive me as the, as the guy with the hammer, but they have a real time with me as the lion with the sword. He said, it's much more offensive uh, to people. And yet, if you think about this, and you think about your own families, if someone was to come in and try to, men, if they were to come in and try to violate your, someone was to come in and try to violate your wife or hurt your children, you'd know good and well that you would go to your death to defend your family. You know you would. You know that you would not put up with that. Well, our Lord's no different. I, I would say that he's fed up with... Um, abortion. I would say that he is fed up with pornography and the exploitation of women and men and children. I, I would say that he's, uh, he doesn't like any of that. He doesn't like anything that breaks covenant because it damages human beings. It's hurt our families. And he certainly is not happy or pleased with governing orders over nations that are covenant breakers. He doesn't want broken covenant. Why? Because it damages all the little ones. It damages everybody. And so you think the Lord would want a clean house. You guarantee it. And the Lord is about this. And one of the things that has to be done is that the church, even on this, what we're speaking of here, even on a global scale, has to come into these positions of influence in the spirit. So much of the church has been compromised. There's been such a break of integrity and righteousness in many of God's saints, giving themselves over to things in their private lives they should not be partaken of, not in the fear of the Lord. And the Lord, you know, he wants holiness, a holiness that he gives, a grace that he gives. But you know, God's grace is not for a, Continue in sin. Remember, Paul said that. He said, shall we continue in sin any longer that grace may abound? What, is it, what does the text say after that? No. It says, actually, God forbids that. God did not give us grace to continue in sin. He gave us grace to set us free from sin, to restore us back to himself, right? So the Lord's been in a uh, house-cleaning operation, with all of us, dealing with our presuppositions, our, our ways, bringing truth into the very depths of our hearts, our motivation, wanting to uh, set everything right, and that the fear of the Lord would be on the house of the Lord. We would respect the Lord in our private and our public life. It's the Lord's business. And the Lord gives grace for this. The Lord gives grace. Thank God he gives grace. Because, I mean, where would we be without the grace of the Lord? But there does come a time when the Lord is, uh, has dealt with you. 
<laughs> He's thoroughly uh, run you through. And I believe that the Lord could testify to this and say, you know, it's time, to, it's time for me to do something in you. It's time for me to work something out here. And so it's time for me to strike down heads through my righteous saints. And, and that something would be lifted up that would give him the praise and the uh, honor and the glory. This theme of reversal is to the entire uh, cosmos. God will keep his faithful ones, but he'll cut off the wicked. No might can save a man from God's justice. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Hannah had this praise, and, and in God's redemptive reversal, it culminated in the exaltation of the anointed king, literally his Messiah. And so the capstone of God's work is the bringing Hannah's personal reversal. And you know, you know that story, I'm sure. Israel's national reversal and a complete eschatological reversal in which God's justice and salvation are poured out on the nation's and our Messiah is given royal victory. God exalts the humbles, humble, and he humbles the exalted. And so um, I wanted to get into this because the Lord said, I want you to, to deal with this today and like introduce this material. So this is like a, a pretext to my context, what I just said of what has been going on in the human heart. And he, he asked me to bring this out and identify this. And I, and I thought, well, that's an interesting way to do things. I, I have found from the Lord, and, and I don't know if your journey like this is like, the, like this with the Holy Spirit, but many times the Lord will just say, you know, I want you to trust me and come along with me and move out in faith. And then you get on the other side of what the Lord has uh, been dealing with you about or me. And... Um, and he's very gracious about it. He will tell you the truth. But you get on the other side of it, and then he tells you what actually was going on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, thank you, Stephen. The Lord, in my experience, in his discipline, a lot, of, a lot of us, myself included, can see the problem with someone else and, um, and uh, say, I know what your problem is. It's right there. That, that's what's going on with you, and uh, we can identify that really quick, and we might want to go tell somebody that's what your problem is. Now, I found with the Lord, though, he doesn't necessarily tell us what uh, our problem is. He might say to you, you know, I want you to trust me. You come and you follow him, and you move across something, and then next thing you know, a little bit later, uh, you come through the experience, and then he kind of like tells you what you were just going through, and he explains it to you. Now, I think that he's so kind like that, and... It seems so meek and polite to treat us that way when he could easily tell us, I know what's going on with you and here's your problem and point his finger at what our issues are. But he doesn't seem to do that. At least he does it to me. And then I kind of find out in retrospect, oh, <laughs> that, that, that looked pretty bad. <laughs> Lord, I didn't know it was quite like that. <laughs> And so he's like, well, you can do this today, which is, you know, sort of, I don't know if this is, you know, I don't know how you take this, but we'll just start out. 
I, I want you to bring this out. And it's something in uh, psychology called, it's a theory of personality called the dark triad. Many of you heard of this? I know we were with the Nolans this week. I was mentioning it to them. But anybody else in here know what the dark triad is in psychology? Anybody? Nope. Okay. All right. If you want to take notes, you could take notes on this. This might be helpful to you. Um, the dark triad is theory of personality. It was first published by Delroy L. Uh, Paulus and Kevin M. Williams in 2002 uh, that describes three notably offensive but non-pathological personality types. And I don't know if you guys can bring, well, you, you may be able to bring one up on the screen, but there's one online and you could probably put it up on the screen for everybody to see like it's a triangle and then it's going to have... Uh, these three components in it. There are uh, the, these personality types that w when formed together, they call it the dark triad. And so the, um, uh, here's one of them. And maybe raise your hand if you know what this is so I don't feel like, okay, maybe I can see you now. Everybody's like light. <laughs> I know you're all glowing, <laughs> but now I can see you. Um, Machiavellianism. Anybody know this? Anybody? Some of you? Okay. Subclinical narcissism. Anybody know narcissism? <laughs> and subclinical psychopathy. Psychopathy? Anybody? There we got one back there. Not saying you're psychopathetic. No, anyways. He just knows what it is. <laughs> Each one of these personality types are called dark because each one are considered to contain malvolent qualities. All three dark triad traits are conceptually uh, distinct, although empirical evidence shows them to be overlapping. They're associated with a callous, manipulative, interpersonal style. Narcissism is characterized by grandiosity, pride, egotism, and a lack of empathy. Someone give me a definition for empathy. Janie? Feeling other people's feelings. Uh, being able to associate with someone else's emotion. Okay. Emotional intelligence. Okay, empathy would be... Um, what's someone's example of uh, pride? Anybody? What would be like an example of pride? Or what would be pride? Okay, uh, claiming the, uh, the glory that comes from your strength instead of the Lord's. Okay, good, that's good. Um, grandiosity. Larger than life. What about egotism? All about you. Come back to the center. <laughs> That's what narcissism is characterized by. Um, Machiavellianism is uh, characterized by uh, manipulation and exploitation of others. And so um, when the way that you look at another person in, in a Machiavellian type way would be you look at a person and you're seeing how their output can relate to uh, your input 
and what you could get out of them instead of seeing them as a, as a human being that has dignity and, and worth. You're, you're sort of gaming them and working an angle behind the scenes uh, to try to uh, get something, to manipulate someone for something or exploit them for your own personal good. In, in Machiavellianism, there's a complete absence of morality. And there's a lack of an emotion, a lack of emotion. A higher level, and there's a high level of complete self-interest. Whatever interests me, works out for me, that's what I'm going for. Psychopathy is characterized by continuous antisocial behavior. Uh, this person would be highly impulsive, selfish, uh, callous, and have also have a similarly uh, unemotional traits and then would be completely remorseless when they were dealt with or wouldn't have any kind of repentance in them. Uh, there you go. You can, that kind of, you can see that. When I was, you know, asking the Lord, I said, what mountain is coming down? You know, when similarly on the back of your $1 bill, Right, you have like a ziggurat on the back of your one dollar bill, and at the top of it, you have the all seeing eye, right? And I, you know, I was asking the Holy Spirit, I was like, You're speaking to me and telling me that I'm, I'm cutting this thing down inside my people, I'm going to remove these tendencies and traits, and I'm going to place in a capstone. I'm, and, and so, I'm, I'm wanting to take this away with. Zerubbabel, you know, with shouts of grace to grace, I'm wanting to remove this kind of characteristic or these characteristics that are inside. Uh, just keep that up uh, for a minute. Uh, the characteristics that have basically hit us from the fall. And now you, you may be looking at this, and, and I don't know how you feel about it, but when I was describing some of the descriptions, did any of you in the room feel like that you've had some of those traits? Okay, I would say to some extent, uh, most of us have probably dealt with those traits, right? I mean, uh, to be honest, I mean, and it's okay. I mean, it's, it's not like, oh, now you're exposed. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> you may be looking at someone that was completely infested with the dark triad, <laughs> for all I know. Or maybe that's why the Lord's telling me now. <laughs> I've said to you, you get it, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> this is what your whole issue's been. <laughs> uh, it's not funny. <laughs> Why are you laughing? But there may be some of the traits here and then have uh, in, infected the human nature and, and come in. And so I think that the Lord, when he's you know, retooling us and building us, he's getting at these things. He's dealing with them. Let's, let's look at them a little bit maybe from a, a little bit different view. And, and so what I'm going to do for you now is, uh, if, if you are taking notes, I'd like for you to take psychopathy and put under it like profit. And then with, with narcissism, I'd like for you to put priest. And then for Machiavellianism, I'd like for you to put king. And so, because the Lord told me, it's not enough to show what the light is. I want, you to sh I want them to see the darkness. I'm going to expose the darkness. Gus Vickery, he wrote me this week, or maybe it was yesterday, and he said that uh, 
Josephine, his daughter, they're over in Uganda uh, with Kelly, and uh, she had an experience with a, a demon came into her room. And this demon had presented himself, uh, I guess, when she was about one years old, and then through another experience she had about at 15, and the, uh, the demon comes into her room and while they're in Uganda and presents and just scared the living daylights out of her. And, and she said that she had to like really worship the Lord to, to deal with the situation of this demonic presence that came in to her. And, and Gus was asking me, uh, wrote me, he says, you know, to some extent, I'm paraphrasing Gus, but he's like, it kind of makes me feel bad as her dad, so to speak, that this thing even could mess with my daughter and I'm just, you know, praying over her and my wife. And I, he said, I, I think I felt like I should have more foresight into this. And he was kind of asking me, I, I think, you know, what do you think about what's going on here in, in Uganda with this demon and affecting my child? And I wrote him back that I, that I was um, glad that he had been exposed. Because now this demonic presence that has been like filtering around Josephine trying to work and angle on her and get her confused and beat down and working this thing in the in the shadow now has come out into light and so uh, and, and I think you can see here that in when the Lord begins to expose by light the darkness that we can begin to behold what is not because we've come to know what, who is. We're beginning to see clearly. We're seeing clearly into what is not. Because we're beholding him who is, right? And that God has a restoration program. He, he's uh, not wringing his hands saying, I got a bunch of psychopath Machiavellian narcissists down there. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I don't know, do we call them MPNs? I don't know, I just shorten the thing up. <laughs> God had a plan and he, he's come to, uh, to deal with this nature inside of us and in the shouting and in the, in the Zerubbabel's work of, of saying, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. The Lord lets me hear this this week, though, and I, I want this, if you could put up Ephesians 2.10 uh, as well. I just quoted 2, 8, and 9, but uh, put up verse 10. I want to share this because I think it's important not to just see, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast, but Ephesians 2.10. You got that? You guys on it? Okay, they got, I got a little thumbs up. And I'm so last minute on everything uh, because I'm in the moment with the Lord on this to some extent. For we are his workmanship, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why is that important? Because it's not just a statement of what is not, but it's a statement of what is. That you're his workmanship that he's created you, what, in, in who? In Christ. To prepare you for good work. He did this when? When did he do it? Beforehand. 
so that we may do them. Okay, and so God takes the, the prophetic function, and let's just talk about that a little bit, and then put up the dark triad again for me. He takes a prophetic function, and, he, and I went through this with you last week out of Jeremiah 9. He said, don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom. Don't boast in your intellectual prowess and your ability to know and what you've, uh, you've come to in your knowledge. I want to take your prophetic function, and I want to give you something literally from me through you, flowing through you, out of your mouth. I want to replace this, this uh, psychopathy. I want to take that psychopathy. I want to put my words in your mouth. I want what comes out of your mouth to come from me. I don't want you to boast in your own personal wisdom. And, you know, we have a lot of this going on today. I mean, tremendously with the new AI bots and what is it called? Chat GPT. And now we got it all figured out, man. All you got to do is do the chat GPT guy thing. And it's going to give you, spell out everything you need to know, write your whole white paper right there. I got everything I need right there off the web. If you need to write somebody a text and you don't feel like writing it out, just do the chat GPT bot and he'll say everything you need to say, right? It's this, this artificial intelligence is one of the greatest, I think, one of the, the greatest affronts to true prophetic language as there's ever been. And at its root, I think it's psychopathic. And, it, and I want to tell you, it's not comfortable, like, always not knowing. It's not, you know, it, it's not comfortable not being the know-it-all. I mean, I'm standing here right in front of you having to demonstrate. I literally do not know what I'm doing. Y'all might already have realized that. <laughs> but, hey, someone's got to be the, you know, the dummy. <laughs> Somebody's got to demonstrate that God can actually get into their mouth and start to speak through them when they don't have a clue what they're doing so that other people can say, well, he does that. Well, I guess I can too. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to be a psychopath. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Because God, when he created us, he created us in humility to be completely dependent even in our speech. If you're married, you really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> or if you've tried to communicate with someone before, he's like, that's not what you're saying. You know, you don't have to be married to know this, but that's not what you're saying. You were saying something completely different than that. <laughs> and it's leading back to yourself. <laughs> you're trying to get something out of this, aren't you? And God wanted to put pure prophetic language in you. A, a pureness of speech and, and thought. You know, the disciples, they, they go into the temple and they said, these guys have been with Jesus because we know that they're just fishermen and they're a bunch of rabble-rousers. It's just cutting up and stuff. And how they speak in complex theological concepts right in the front of the whole Pharisee, you know, aristocrat, whatever, you know, and they, how do they know? They've been with the Lord. So what we can do is, if you're comfortable with it, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be a know-it-all. And ultimately, you don't have to go towards psychopathy. 
You don't have to lean into that. You can trust the Lord to give you the prophetic word in your mouth in season when you need to speak. You can trust the Lord when you need to be quiet. I learned that a lot from you, Tom. He ministered me a lot in that. He listens really well. And I learned, I learned quietness through him. I learned that you don't have to say anything. You can transmit a whole different way. I appreciate you for that. Thank you for your teaching. Uh, because you're teaching louder than words. Uh, what about narcissism? Our image, uh, the way our body shape, the way we look, the way uh, we come off. Any of y'all stand in front of mirrors? Oh my Lord, this is looking good. <laughs> or this is not looking good. <laughs> Any of you already fell in the pool and drowned yourself? You know how narcissist he did that. He was looking down. He was so immersed in his own beauty that he fell in and drowned to death or whatever. It gets so captured. I mean, is this not in our generation? Maybe Facebook? I don't know. What's the name of it? What about selfies? You know, what about like what's going on with that and how, wait a minute, wait a minute. Snap the right picture. Uh, get the angle just right. Okay, the light's off. Stop it! You know, you just moved the wrong way. You ruined my picture. <laughs> like when I proposed to my wife, it was like in front of a church and whatever, and a bunch of people saw it, but it's like, wait a minute, get the camera just right, get everything just right. Get the angle right, the lighting just right. Because I just want to make sure that when I blast my thing on Instagram, I'm looking amazing. <laughs> I mean, this thing has infected our culture, has it not? The way we view ourselves, the way we look, I mean, you could probably just go on and on and on. And I'll tell you, I've, and I've come to believe this deeply, that God wanted to put a priestliness in us and restore the image, the image inside, and that you would be uh, pleased with the one he has made you to be in the way that you, your appearance is, and you would be uh, content with the way God has made you. Because I, I really believe the manifestation of so much image issues is an interior image issue. God wants to restore that in us and give us his self. He doesn't want us cutting ourselves and damaging our skin. That blood is paid for a restored image. I could go on and on and on about image. I mean, because this, this has been a big issue, so much so that it has kept so many of us from and I don't know what you've dealt with that. I know I've dealt with it severely, but that was one of the big issues we were, I was experiencing with telling Henry five years ago, I don't want to do camera. I, I'm not going to be on a camera. That'll be the last thing. Why? Because of image. I don't want to project my image. I don't want people to see what is really going on. Especially didn't want to wear all white and be really exposed like a marshmallow man. Someone called me the Michelin man. I was like, thanks. Thanks a lot for nothing. I feel terrible now. 
Well, do you love yourself? Do you love yourself? Do you love yourself? I guess not. I'm a Michelin man. <laughs> Anyways, I was watching Charles III be coronated yesterday, and I saw him strip him down to white, and they were saying that they had done that, and they were explaining it because that was the humility. It was sort of humiliating to show that he was a pauper, really, before he put on the royal robes. God in his priesthood, and his priesthood is so really good priesthood, is really uh, reserved, I think, and quiet, and it's done in private. Uh, character is not built out in front of everyone. Character is built in the private time. It's developed in your alone time, where you're, and, and maybe in the privacy of your own home when you're extending your love to other people and giving of yourself when no one else is really watching. And that character gets in you and it really restores your image and you feel wonderful to give of yourself in love. And then again, Machiavellianism uh, is replaced by kingship. You could say in these that, that a lot of what we're dealing with in the prophetic is relationship, relational. And that in the priesthood, it has to do with your health. And that in kingship, it has to do with your wealth, your resources, the way you develop resources and the way you uh, bring out an economy within your family structure. And because in Machiavellianism, the idea is, is that you're manipulating someone else for their own, their good to be extracted for your good. And, you know, that was one, of the, that's been one of the main reasons I think the Lord had shared with me, even in this ministry, I want you to throw out the request of volunteerism, which we do not do. And we don't, if you notice, we don't collect an offering. It's not that we shouldn't give, and I make that clear. I believe we should. I, I'm a big believe in giving, and, and I believe in generosity as a way of life. That generosity should be the characterization of our life. But the Lord's like, I don't want that infecting my house anymore, this because I said, Lord, the whole Christian church runs off of offerings and volunteerism. You stop asking for volunteers and offerings, the whole thing will shut down. He said, not my church. <laughs> I was in a prayer meeting. He said, he said to me, he said, so what? And I said, so what? What do you mean, so what? He said, sacrifice an offering I do not desire. Hebrews chapter 10. Double offerings I take no delight in. It's a body I want. See, Machiavellianism, the idea is you give me your body and you're good for me. You're extracting someone else's body for your own benefit. You think, there's no other way for economy to work than that. It's not true. The Lord has a way of resourcing your life and taking care of you that probably for many of us would blow all our circuits. One of the worst things you can do and that and this happens, and I've, I've got into this a little bit, but many of us have plagued our own mindsets with, I brought this out last week, with it's my skill and ability that gives me my worth. And yet the Lord will tell you in Deuteronomy 8, 17, he says, do not say by my own skill or ability that I got this wealth. When it comes to wealth in the Lord, the Lord has ways of resourcing you and taking care of you. But I'm going to tell you, his primary methodology in the resourcing of your wealth is your generosity. 
Man, it lays waste to manipulation and control. Because you won't try to control anybody, impose your will on them to extract something from them and make them do something, you won't have to. And then number two, you will not have to manipulate someone off of a left-based system and work an angle to manipulate them into giving you something for yourself. You, would, you could cut all that out and you could truly value and be valued in yourself. Machiavellianism, whether it's come in little small forms or gross forms like Dr. No or whatever, you know, the, all the villains that you have in the James Bond series, Whatever it may look like, and we could point at those guys and say, that's a, bunch of, that's a bunch of nonsense, that villain is. But that villain tried to infect our heart. And the Lord wanted us to be a people that would be completely in, ingrained in generosity and blessing. That's the way the wealth of God's kingdom works. I've had, we've had, I've had to learn this myself in my own family. I was like, so I said, what do you do for a living? I was like, I think I'm a philanthropist, like on a small scale, <laughs> or a really small scale. But still, you got to start somewhere. Just give money, bless someone else, bless someone else. You don't have to let the right hand know what the left is doing. But what is the key to that? What is the key to taking out the imposition Imposing your will on someone, or what is the key to manipulating someone for their own their own self or good? What is the key? Generosity. And so the Lord, in a grace, grace, beautiful grace, grace message, has given us His own speech. If we're willing to wait on it. He's uh, give us His own image. We, we talk about the identity of Christ. And he's give us the, uh, his own generosity so that we ourselves would be generous. And he could clear the top of the, uh, the ziggurat, the temple that's inside of your soul, and place into it prophet, priest, and king. And that he could, out of the wisdom that's in him operating through you, bring forth a proper speech pattern and a proper issues uh, related to health and a proper issues and wisdom related to your wealth and your well-being and your family's well-being. Let us be done with the dark triad. It's a body that he's always wanted. You know, none of us like to be treated that way. I mean, we've all been treated it hurts when someone prophetically uses us, uses us for their own body, or uses us for their own money. I mean, no, nobody, nobody likes that. Well, the Lord doesn't either. <laughs> I love this about him because you know who he wants? You. <laughs> he just wants you, hook, line, and sinker. He wants your whole self, and he's not trying to game you for anything. Uh, let's stand together. Don't you love the grace, grace message? Done with it. I'll take your speech, Lord. I'll wait on a word in due season. 
I'll hold your word as the greatest delight of my life. I'll take your image, Lord, <laughs> in replacement for mine. I'll take a glad heart of generosity, Lord, that just is free to give and isn't trying to hold on and work an angle for me. The Lord said to my Lord, sit until your enemies are made your footstool. Every enemy is being brought low. Why? So why? Because the Lord is lifting up his people in this hour. Did you imagine that the Lord would express light, too much light through a dark triad? He wouldn't do it. Because if, if he expressed light into a darkness of our soul, it would expand darkness out from us to everyone that's around us. So much we need this message, especially now, like never before, that we would be completely clean. So that when the Lord begins to move on us with his light, what you get out of that is light. The life of the Lord, the life of his word, the life of his health and image. In the life of his generosity, the life of God in the soul of man, expressing himself through you. Down with the dark triad. <laughs> Down with it forever and let it be done. And I love the grace, grace message. <laughs> For by grace, right? We've been saved. We receive from you, Lord, right now. You're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. You are the light of the world. While Stephen sings, let's come uh, for communion and we'll take it together as a family. I am his promised bride and I'm destined to wear white. My chest is full of hope and the dress Veil as snow. And he said he'd come for me. And he'd know when I'm ready. My heart is aching for the coming. Of the Lord, I must get ready now. I must get ready now. I must get ready now. For behold, my bridegroom. I must get ready now. 
chapter 9 verse 24 for Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands the representation of the true sanctuary but he entered into heaven itself and he now appears in God's presence for us he did not enter to offer himself again and again the way the high priest offers the sanctuary year after year with the blood that is not his own. For then he would have to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared once. Once for all at the consummation of the ages to put away sin by sacrifice. And just as people are appointed to die once and then to face judgment, so also after Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, to those who eagerly await on him, he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, But he's appearing to bring full salvation. I pray that the revelation of this truth that I just read would infect your entire being. That that revelation, that what he has done is done. 
that has been finished. That the capstone's installed. That you're the people who do not walk according to the flesh, but you walk in the spirit. That you're the people that so walk in the spirit that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For there is now therefore no condemnation to those, to you who are in Christ. Christ in you, that you believe right now magnified in you. And I'm placing my full entire trust in you and the finished work of the cross. Christ in me, say it. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm not my own, I've been bought with a price. I've been rescued from sin. Oh Lord. Oh yes, Lord. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have everlasting peace. Amen. Bless you today.
almost get ready now I must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Yes, behold my bridegroom comes Yes, behold my bridegroom comes My lamp is shining bright with oil to last the night.